Okay, request time. How about like a virgin? Like a what? A virgin. As in Virgin Mary? No, Dad. As in Madonna. Madonna. Get with it. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. Tonight's movie, Family Reunion from 1989. I would say a little known horror movie. I never certainly never heard of it. How about you, my guest this episode, Lindsay Ani? Uh, yeah, I had never heard of it. Uh, it was definitely an interesting experience, but it was it was worth the hour and a half I invested in it. Well, you have confessed to me off mic that you liked this movie quite a bit. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I watched it twice, actually. <laughs> I wouldn't watch it again. See, I have to do that. You're not required to, but you did it of your own volition, so... That's that's true. I, I actually um, I, I was on the phone with my brother earlier today. And I said, "Listen, I, I watched this movie for this podcast that I'm doing, and I, I said you have to watch this. Like you, this movie's amazing. It's like a horror Christmas movie, and you have to watch it. It's it's phenomenal. You have to watch it." Yeah, there's oh, there's that eternal debate of like, what's is that a Christmas movie? Is that a, is Gremlins a Christmas movie? Of course it is. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Sure. Yes. This is a Christmas movie, even though there is. Not a lick of snow. They're in a desert the whole time. Yeah. But it opens with a sick-ass synth version of God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. So this is a fucking Christmas movie. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. Like, seriously. Literally, I'm looking at my notes right now, and it says, first off, I was taken back by the music. The new wave synth? What the fuck? It was only playing one note at a time. Everything else was pre-programmed. A lot of anachronisms with the visual because I literally had no idea what was going on. I was like, why is someone doing like, it felt like, um, it was a Beverly Hills cop. Da, 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 that. And then I was like, oh my God, why is this doing? <laughs> so confused. Like Yuletide Axel F. Yeah. 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 Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, and that that synth Christmas music is playing over the opening credits, which is like a flashback to the 40s, we'll find out, in black and white, of some townspeople wiping out a cult. There's some sort of, there's some people in robes doing some sort of nasty deviltry, and these townspeople come in with their rifles and just wipe them all out. Yeah, and you know, at first when you look at it, right, it looks like it could be the eight, it, there's no time period. So it says, you know, it, it could be the 1880s for all you know, because they're literally carrying pitchforks and torches. You know, it just, it looks very dust bully, right? And then, then, then when he wipes them out, he's got the shotgun, but he's not really, like, he doesn't get any, like, um, there's no reverb, so he's like, which is he's just like holding it, and I'm like, he's never held a gun before, never. No, and he's got like a cowboy hat on, so you you would be forgiven for thinking that it's like an old west kind of thing. Oh, but totally. We'll find out later that it's the 40s, but I guess this is California, right? I guess. Um, Nevada, I think, Nevada. from the license plates later. I can yeah. see 1940s rural Nevada looking like the old west. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, this cult is looking to sacrifice a toddler named Matthew. And there's a creepy little girl who hangs out with the cult who's like, it's okay, Matthew, you're going to get, like, the best Christmas present ever. Just let these people slice you up. It's cool. Yep. And so presumably, I guess we don't see it, but presumably this baby was saved by the mob and not 
wiped out along with the mob because they're shooting pretty indiscriminately. They're not really, they don't appear to be mm-hmm. being too careful about the toddler in the line of fire. But but this also then just turns out to be a nightmare that our main character, Tom, is having. Nightmare or memory. Well, he wasn't around in the... See, here's the thing. This is supposed no, to be in the yeah, 40s. No, it's not the baby's last name is Matthew, right? So Tom is having this bad dream and he wakes up and he's clutching onto his cross that he's holding and then he wakes up and his wife, Kathy, and he says, oh, I just had that, you know, this horrible, rec- I can't remember exactly what he says, but the, the sentiment was, I had this horrible recurring dream that I've had forever and whatever. But she's like, to me, if I have had a recurring nightmare, you know, the same night at Christmas Eve for however, I mean, we find out it's Christmas Eve for however many years, and they have two children together, I I would think that I would share that information with my spouse. And, you know, she's reacting like it's the first time that she's heard of that kind of thing. So it was very like, oh, you had, oh, how long has this been going on? And he's like, oh, I had that bad dream again. And it was very like, oh, like, do you not talk to each other? Like, why are you having this conversation right now? Oh yeah, no, she had the best line. She said something about like, I'm only a medical doctor. Like, so she had no idea what was going on with her, what was going on in his, his brain. So she said, I'm only a medical doctor. I can't really help you with like what's going on and your, you know, with your dreams and that kind of thing. So I just thought that was like a really interesting thing. And, you know, I, I feel, I mean, the movie came out in what, 89. So it was definitely written at the time of like satanic panic and like everything was really heightened and that For kind sure. of thing. So, I mean, clearly you know, these satanic cults are going to get everybody, right? So, you know, having 13 people, because I think that's what they had. I, I just feel like that's the number, right? It just was a, an interesting conversation to say the least. Yeah, she's doing a real Bones McCoy, like, I'm, I'm a shrink, damn, or I'm a doctor, damn it, not a shrink. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't talk to me about your head problems. But yeah, it insinuates that, like, they don't usually sleep together on Christmas Eve or something because she should have seen this every year. Are they breaking tradition because right. they got too horny tonight or I don't know what's going on. But... Right, right. Or like they don't have a relationship or like I, it just was like the weirdest. It was very strange. Their relationship seems pretty good, but he also seems really... I was reminded of Ben Shapiro in the way that he's like immediately... The first thing he says when he wakes up is like, you're a doctor. Like, he couldn't be more proud that his wife is a doctor and he won't shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> like, everyone he right. meets, he's at the gas station. My wife's a doctor, you know. No, I don't know that. Yep. Here's your cigarettes. Shut up. Yeah, right? Uh, the next morning, the family is preparing to... They're going to be taking a road trip to see Kathy's family. And, Kathy's uh, clan. That's literally what he said. Yeah. Kathy's clan, <laughs> which I true. thought was, like, prime. We meet the rest of the family. There's little Billy, daughter Erin... And then Tom's dad, Henry, who just, who Kathy also calls dad. So it took me a while to figure out that like, okay, that's his dad, not because it's her family they're going to visit. Yep. And little Billy is convinced dad to stop along the way. There's a ghost town called Sutterville that this kid has heard of somehow. And um, dad has promised that they'll stop there and kind of walk around so he can check it out. They're on their way to Silver Springs, which is also Nevada. I don't know. I'm bad at geography. I think so. So our introduction to Billy is a water balloon comes flying in and almost hits Grandpa, hits the car, which Tom is not happy about. He's like, hey, I just wax that, wipe that off. And then this, that this kid yep. turns around and hilariously trips on something, <laughs> just falls out of frame. Oh, yeah. What was that? 
it looked almost like the like the little sled thing that you lay on to go under a car if you're fixing it but why it was laying in the driveway i have no yeah, idea but, or maybe but, it was a suitcase or something which could make, right but i thought that was like super random to be laying there i was like did he trip over the suitcase like what in the heck happened and then when he stood up the water balloon looked like he had like wet himself so Aaron comes around the corner with the boom box and I was like, oh my God, okay, now what kind of music is coming out of there now? Because the sound mixing was, I mean, obviously I think they, it, I read about the movie and they said the movie was made on a million dollar budget or something. So the mixing is not great from a technical perspective, but so she turns the music off and she's like, aren't you a little too old to be doing that? I think she's just got this like staff attitude about her that I absolutely adore like she's just i can't even put into words how much i love her as a human being like she is regina to a t like so much perfect she's like 30 years too early for a mean girl but i love it anyways well before we turn this music off we got to talk about this music that she's playing in the boombox because it's and this <laughs> things like this have come up on this podcast before in other movies it's one note off from in the in the name of love by you two like just enough to not yeah. get sued. Yep. It's like it's V three. It's one, you know. It's just one off from U two. It's so. Yep. So I thought it was U two when it first started. I was like, wow, they had they got the clearance for this. But I did too, no, and I was like, it's just not quite that song. Why is it not very close? Why is it not finishing? Why is it not, like, come on. Da, da. Like, it just needs to, you know, add that extra um, vanilla ice touch to it. Dun, 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 dun. You know, that extra little, like, beat to it to, like, continue the song. But it just, it never happened. So they, yeah, they narrowly avoided a lawsuit on that one, probably. I'm sure with their million-dollar budget, they wouldn't have been able to afford Bono's <laughs> sunglasses, so. No, man, and you got to. It's, I mean, it's a, probably a good thing that this is kind of an unknown movie, or because Bono will show up at your house and stab you with those wraparounds. Like he, he doesn't play, <laughs> or else, or he'll, uh, you know, make everybody wear them or something like he, you know, that one album with the iPods or iPhones or whatever. Yeah, he somehow a... he somehow gets their new album loaded onto their car phone. <laughs> How that works, but. <laughs> He gets it like inserted into the boombox. You can't take it out forever. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie, unfortunately. Like there is nothing else. <laughs> that's the family reunion. <laughs> so they're driving and listening to whatever they're listening to. And Erin, sassy girl that she is, is like, God, oh, can't we listen to something else? Like, can't we listen to something like anything modern? And dad's like, like what? She's like, I don't know, like a virgin. And dad is like, like a whoa, 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 what? And she's like, you know, like Madonna. Like the Virgin Mary? Yeah, he says, like the Virgin Mary. She's like, no, Madonna, which you're both right. Madonna is right. Madonna and the Virgin Mary are the same thing, so stop arguing. They're the same person. <laughs> but just the idea but that she likes a song about... with that name, that he's like, whoa, yeah. like, come on, man. Right? Like, uh, I feel like it's a very Fred Flintstone, Homer Simpson kind of look. To his face, like Hanna Barbera double take. I think that even before they started talking about the music, though, the one thing I really noticed that definitely puts this movie in that decade. I know what you're about to say. Grandpa Henry. 
when he was smoking in the back seat with the windows up. Yeah. Ah, the 80s and when like, you could just no smoke on a kid. Anything. Right. And I was like, what are what are you doing? Like, why? What are you doing? Why don't you at least roll the windows down? Yeah, at least roll the window down. Like, that was the times, man. Come on, dude. This, yeah. this Billy kid continuing but, uh, to be a prankster, first with the water balloon, and now he's got a rubber snake that he sticks in Grandpa's face. Grandpa's constantly, speaking of the Simpsons, he's a real Grandpa Simpson type because he's always like, oh, I'm, oh he's any minute eight. I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> Stop scaring me. Right. Like, maybe you, you should be in a home now. Right. Maybe that's where he came from. Because remember, he had traveled to get there to their home. Henry had flown in that morning. Right. And so before they were driving out to Silver Springs and he was feeling kind of hesitant about going anywhere. And then he was like, oh, grandpa's just tired. So he's sitting back there smoking on all the kids, you know, probably like ashing everywhere on them. And then, you know, Kathy, the doctor was like, oh, grandpa, did you take, do you, did you bring your pills? Never mind not asking him to roll down the windows. But didn't all this stuff that happened before, wasn't there something that happened with Clarence and the sheriff before this? That's the next thing, right after the, yeah, right after That's the, the next the thing? thing. Okay. Yeah. We cut from them driving to the abandoned town of Sutterville, where there's the abandoned Sutterville Hotel, where apparently the cops just are constantly doing sweeps through this town for vagrants. Which seems like a waste of resources. You have other things. Maybe you don't have anything else going on in your town. Absolutely. I don't know. But this mm-hmm. particular cop, and we've in the history of this show, we've only had one other instance of an actor appearing in two different episodes, and it was, of all people, Crystal Bernard, who was in *Slumber Party Massacre* two and *Welcome to Paradise*. This gentleman, Jack Starrett, who plays the cop here, was played the evil professor in previous episode *Nightwish*. Uh, people probably know him. He was Gabby Johnson in Blazing Saddles. He was Gate in Rambo First Blood, or First Blood, whatever the first Rambo movie. So, welcome back to the show, Jack Starrett. I can, yeah, they must just go on patrol and look for vagrants. Because otherwise, how did he know where this Children of the Corn-looking motherfucker was crashing? I don't know. They must just go through every building, building by building, looking for homeless yeah. people. Yeah, I, I mean, and it just comes... Kind of- out of nowhere, really, like all of a sudden they go from being in the car to Charlie, the sheriff, or, you know, whatever, the police officer, is chasing down Lestat with the smoke Clarence. I named him Lestat just to keep my notes straight. I mean, because he had the ghosty thing, you know, with the with the smoke. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, doing mind control tricks and all of that stuff. So I don't, I don't know. And it seemed like it was like in a bigger space than it actually was. It was like an, an abandoned building when Charlie like opened up the door and then the space just got bigger. I, it was a very confusing scene until the other police officer came in. Yeah, we need to, I need to run down. I don't need everything spelled out to me. It sucks when there's an exposition character that just explains everything. But I need to run down on this Clarence's power set because to start with he yeah he summons like a Michael Jackson music video like steam cloud that surrounds him and disappears into that so that he can sneak up behind Charlie the cop but then he also has telekinesis because he's like shoving the bed across the room with his brain and he's always doing like when you know like holding like Professor X holding the sides of his temples like right but you don't 
see him the entire time when he's doing it. So he's almost invisible. So he's got like an invisibility cloak while he's doing those things, right? Like you can't see him. Yeah, because the cop's like, where'd you go? Where'd you go? Well, he's right there. Like, where'd you go? I can't see you. And <laughs> then he's like choking him kind of and it's very like weird. And later on he'll have, <sighs> he can make people have hallucinations. He can, yeah, definitely telekinesis and long range telekinesis at, later, at a later point in the movie. Like he doesn't even need line oh, of yeah, sight. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of like it's like all of the Loki variants like have merged into <laughs> one character, and that is Clarence. And that's the only. And I'm gonna have a hard time calling him Clarence because literally every character is called something else in my notes. So I think Billy is Danny Bonaducci, <laughs> and Tom is Beretta, and. The dad, Henry, is John Voight because he looks like John, you know, like, so that was like, they didn't really introduce the character very well. Right. But yeah, Clarence is definitely Lestat because he has that, like, gaunt look of Tom Cruise in his face from the movie, you know, so that Scientology yeah. weird kind of like look. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and he's dressed old yeah. timey. He looks like a yeah. He looks like he's from Children of the Corn, like I said. Or he definitely got. He's still yeah. wearing like the suspenders and the trousers, so he looks very. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it gets a very Mennonite kind of. Yes. Nineteen twenty cesspool. Yep, I like that. Indeed. But what's interesting here is that he is stopped by because Charlie the cop has he's sort of getting telekinetically choked on this bed, and he has a he's wearing a crucifix. And he sort of is clutching it and praying, and that stops Clarence's attack. He's like, oh, no. So right off the bat, we know that, like, okay, that's sort of his kryptonite. This is definitely, like, devil stuff. Yep. And then this cop, yeah, the cop's partner comes in and is like, hey, get off of him. And they put him up against the wall and arrest him. Charlie's pretty nonchalant about what just happened to him. Absolutely. <laughs> like, like, oh, it's not a big deal. A very strange thing just happened to you. This is not an ordinary day at work. But he doesn't tell his partner any of it. He's not like, dude, you are not going to fucking believe what just happened. This guy disappeared in a cloud of steam. Then the bed flew across the room. He was choking me from across the room. And then it only stopped because I was like praying with my cross. And I'm so glad you're here because I'm shit my pants. <laughs> like, he just is like, we're going to lock you up for being a vagrant. Like, they, what? And maybe because they do it all the time, maybe it does happen more frequently. But they just like don't show that in the film. Like, maybe because they do the vagrancy sleeps, like, maybe it does happen, but maybe he's, like, the most powerful one or whatever. But see, like, if we had that exposition person, it would be helpful. Well, they've definitely never met Clarence before, because when they get him back to the police station, no. they're like, we got to figure out who this guy is and take his fingerprints and oh, all sure, people sure, and all sure, this sure. stuff. Yep. So, but other members of the cult, maybe. But they don't seem to have the powers that he has, necessarily. Yeah, absolutely not. No, but Charlie, is maybe he's just, you know... Taking one on the old chin, you know, piece of toss mutter or something. It's like, oh, that, that silly vagrant. So the cops with Clarence in the back seat pass our family on the road, and Dad honks the horn to like get their attention, so they'll pull over just to kind of ask for directions. Like, <laughs> your mom. I know you don't have GPS yet or anything, but. I don't know, just stay on the road you're going and follow the signs. These cops probably have better things yeah, to do than just give you directions. They literally passed the sign that said Sutterville, like X amount of miles down this road, and it's a ghost town, so I'm assuming there's no other town down that way. So it was a very strange interaction. And like, hey, like, why are we stopping this car? Like, I'm just going to make sure. Like, it was a very, but very odd interaction, yes. Or maybe Clarence willed it to be. Who knows? 
oh, yeah, maybe. But Tom, yeah, Tom asked the cops, he's like, hey, you know, we're headed to Silver Springs. And the cops like, well, Silver Springs is the other way. He's like, yeah, but we're stopping in Sutterville because my kid wants to see this ghost town. Doesn't really ask him really anything about it. But the cop volunteers that, like, just don't be there after dark. Because I don't know if you've heard this story, but, like, back in the 40s, there was, like, a massacre and a cult and all kinds of crazy, like, child sacrifice and stuff. So maybe just... But they're not, like... I mean, you just went and, like, arrested a guy who was sleeping there. But these people are just going there to dick around. And you're like, yeah, have fun. Just, to, just as a heads up, like... It may be an evil town, but go ahead. Right. They don't like, no, you can't go there. It's dangerous or anything like that. Right. So. Full of vagrants or anything. I mean, like, even just the possibility of vagrants, right? Like, there may be people who are, I mean, I'm not saying anything against that kind of thing, you know, but I mean, clearly Charlie just had this, like, encounter with uh, someone who has telekin telekinetic powers and this weird you know, thriller thing too, right? So like, why wouldn't Charlie be saying, I mean, Charlie's in the car with Clarence, right? But like, it's a very interesting conversation. I know like, I, the one thing that the other police officer had said, Charlie dinged, and then they have that exchange of conversation and he talks about how, oh, well, today's Christmas Eve. And the police officer was like, oh, it is, isn't it? Like, he didn't realize that he'd Christmas Eve or something along those lines. And so it was just a very interesting juxtaposition of words. He was like, oh, I forgot that I said it was Christmas Eve earlier. I'm very nitpicky about continuity. I'm sorry. Like, that really bothered oh, that's, me. That's my bread and butter, man. Yeah, but also, I, I feel like nobody is prepared for Christmas at all. Because when the cops get to the police station, well, we'll I'm jumping ahead. Tom sees yeah, Clarence... Tom sees Clarence through the back of the cop car and they kind of have a glance with each other that unsettles Tom a little bit. Like, oh, who's that? Why is that guy staring at me? That's weird. But he and the family carry on their merry way. When the cops get to the police station, there's a woman up on a very tall, unsecured and dangerous ladder hanging Christmas lights. It's Christmas Eve, right? Yep. Like, you should have done this last week. Yep. You really... <laughs> two, at least two weeks ago. Yeah. Too late. Too late. Just let it go this year. Yeah, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. So then Clara, she says something about, uh, oh gosh, what is it? Something about the line, you know, bringing the vagrant down to wherever. And I, she had like um, upset Clarence or whatever. Like she just made Clarence upset. Then Clarence uses his powers to take the car out of park and reverse it and then go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth into the ladder. So she falls off of the ladder into the car and she dies immediately. Like, I mean, it's a tall ladder, but uh, would she die from a fall like that? Probably not, but there's just like blood running down the car and it's brilliant. I don't know, if she landed if she landed neck first on like those, the cherries, the red, the red and blue cop lights oh, sure. on top. That, yep. could, that could mess you up. But yeah, it's funny sure. because he, the cars, he, telekinetically puts the car into neutral or drive or whatever so it just rolls into her ladder but then yeah it does also like back up and go forward and back up and go forward but way too smooth to be yeah. like changing gears at all yeah and so he did it just for it's, it's pretty phenomenal just for funsies she didn't really seem yeah, to do it's, anything it's to him but that at least is within his line of sight because right before this dad has told the kids like you know what let's just get 
I didn't like the sound of that cop story. Let's skip Sutterville. I know I told you we'd go, but we should get on the road. Let's, we should turn around and go to Silver Springs like we planned on and maybe some other time. And from miles away, Clarence, doing his mind voodoo, takes control of their car from like the gas uh-huh. pedal goes down and keeps them driving to Sutterville and dad can't stop it. He can't steer it. He can't. The brakes aren't working. So Clarence ter- telekinetically drives them the rest of the way to Sutterville long after they are out of yep. his line of sight. So he's uh, someone this powerful should have, I don't know, I feel like his plan should have come to fruition long ago if he's has this yeah, sort at least of power. 40 years ago. Yeah, like how did you get taken out by a posse of losers back in the 40s if you can do this shit? Right, yeah. Should have been able to yeah, make needle that. those guns out of their hands and turn them around and make them shoot themselves or something like Right? At least tough on them or something? So, they get to Sutterville. The car finally stops. They all jump out. And this poor Tom gets harassed by his family. One by one, they each come up to him and go, what happened? And he goes, I don't know. The car wouldn't stop. And then the next kid comes up. What happened? I don't know. The car wouldn't stop. And then mom comes up. What happened? I just, for the third time, (laughs) I don't know. But he looks under the car and it's leaking some kind of fluid now because of their crazy drive. So the car is kind of disabled. So now they're stuck here. They're being watched through high up window by whom we don't know. So some, but so someone is in Sutterville keeping an eye on them. And dad starts getting telekinetic headaches. He's like, oh God, like, I don't know what's going on. He's hearing the same ringing that we hear when Clarence uses his telekinesis. And we see Clarence kind of doing his thing. So he's like sending headaches or sending something tom's way that's giving him headaches anyway something yeah it's i think it's at this point that another thing this movie has in common with the movie night wish apart from one of the actors is a prominent boom mic that comes into the shot this is the most egregious boom mic maybe that i've ever seen like sometimes you know sometimes just the tip will come in there's a shot where mom is like standing next to the car looking kind of out into the town it might be after Billy runs off, so she's kind of glancing around to see. And the boom mic comes to the top of the shot and stays there for a good long time. And it's like the entire microphone <laughs> gets there quite a bit. Oh, my gosh. I need to look for that. Okay. And that makes me feel bad. I didn't even see that. And it's one of those things. And it's, it's specific only to movies from like this time period and earlier. Because once we get into, like, you would never see that unless it's done on purpose as a joke or something. You would never see that in the movie now because everything's shot digitally. So they're like, oh, we can just, we can either take it out with CGI and erase it, or we can just reshoot it because, but a low budget movie in 1979, the sun is going down. We've only got a can of film left. We are not wasting time going back to reshoot that shot because it's going out with the boom mic. It's fine. We don't have film enough for this. Yeah. So it's. Yeah, no, there was absolutely no way that they were going to reshoot that at all. Yeah, but back to the ladder thing. I feel like that ladder, I feel like she was, this was going to happen to her whether Clarence was around or not. Because there's nobody holding them. This is like a 30-foot ladder that she's up on, and there's no one holding it. A gust of wind, and she's dead meat. Yeah, no, that ladder was super unsafe. (laughs) And she's leaning over to, like, hang the lights and stuff. Like, she was asking for trouble. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, and can we talk about the light bulb choice? Like, those were just atrociously large and yes i understand that they were on a city building but like don't they have city workers for that i she's a police officer right 
Don't they have, we have city workers that come and put up our city lights. We don't have police officers that do it. And it is, like you said, two weeks beforehand. What's going on with that? What happened? What's up with this town? It's not Silver Springs. It's not Sutterville. It's not wherever they else they started from. Where is this town in Nevada? Can we send them some money so they can actually like put up their Christmas lights two weeks ahead of time? Yeah, I think we to, need to, to start have, to, me. to have city workers, it would have to be a city. And this is definitely like one of those two bars in a church as you drive through town. But they have, but well, but it has to be a little bigger than that because there are a lot of, it's not like, oh, there's the sheriff and one deputy and they sit around bored. There's like 14 cops at this police station. And they, and they a, all wear jumpsuits. Yeah, and they I have think, an underground parking garage. So, like, this is a decent yeah. police station. So, I don't know what this town is, I guess. No, absolutely not. Like, they're blue. They, I think everyone except for Charlie, the captain, and his partner wore blue jumpsuits. And it was, must have been on sale jumpsuit day or something because they were all blue. And none of them matched what anyone else was wearing. And it was great. Like, just wonderful costume choices. I, I don't really, or or maybe they actually, maybe it was like a, a prison or like a jail work release program. <laughs> and so maybe they didn't really mind Could if that be. poor lady fell. I mean, like, clearly that's terrible, right? But like, because the one guy was like sweeping the floor who was from Sutterville. Uh, that's like, whatever. But that's getting, that's way at the end, but. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, no, they knew her by name because they get he, the cop gets once they get Clarence sitting down and they're kind of questioning him. He gets a call and he's like, "What's that? What's her face fell off a ladder and she broke her back? Oh no!" <laughs> like, right. But like, yeah. no one came running into the station to tell them that. Who called them? Yeah. There, there's no cell phones. Someone came across her body on a car and what? Just took her to the hospital and then called when they got to the hospital. Like, why didn't you just run yeah. in and say? Somebody call an ambulance. I don't know where this call is coming from. Nope. Strange. Back yes. in Sutterville, uh, our girl Erin is being led around by somebody making... Well, she saw a cat, and she's been kind of following this cat. And then she's hearing cat noises. She's trying to find it. She wanders into, like, an abandoned kind of little department store kind of thing. Despite Mom being like, don't go in there. You don't know what's in there. And she's like, I'm fine, Mom, with her sass. And, uh, yes, with her Regina George staff. But it, it's clearly it's clearly a person making cat noises, and if you didn't, if you couldn't hear that, the subtitles will tell you person making cat noises. So <laughs> literally, I yeah, my my on. caption said people making cat noises, which I was like, that's great. So she's following that around. Billy's being led around by his. He has a little RC truck. And it like runs away from him. It gets he's trying to control it and he can't control it anymore and it's just booking down the street without him. So he chases it down and in an alley he meets the little girl from the flashback at the beginning, the one who was like, It's okay, Matthew, it's cool to die. <laughs> and she just like takes him on arm and arm and leads him down this alley. So now Billy's off on his own, Aaron's this family's falling apart. Yeah, so she doesn't say anything. She no. looks like one of the, I had a Precious Moments doll when I was a kid, and she looks just like my Precious Moments doll with the blonde hair and the ringlets, and she doesn't say anything to him, like nothing, not a single word, not hi, Billy, not hi, Danny Bonaducci, not that, what's that saying, welcome to Sutterville, like nothing. She just extends her hand, and he follows her, and it is like the weirdest thing 
I mean, I would say that it's almost like the Kubrick's twins, right? But like, there are not two of them. It's just one creepy kid who is definitely a child of the corn thing. And it's very, very weird. And then all of a sudden, Aaron, no, who is it? Tom and Kathy are looking for Billy and they can't find, like no one can find this kid, right? Like no one can find him because they're looking for Billy at this point, right? Because that's- yeah. Is that why Erin had gone into the, no, she had gone in because she was following this cat and she thought it was Billy making this noise. So they're looking for Billy, can't find him. They're trying to get to leave. No idea where Henry is, trying to find him. And then Tom says, Billy, Tom is like yelling for Billy, like, Billy, 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 where are you? And then Kathy's like, he's, <laughs> she's like, you, he's not going to hear you. And then Tom said, his butt's going to hear me. And I'm like, that is the best parenting line ever. Yeah, I wrote that down. I just, the his butt's going to hear phenomenal. me. His butt's going like, to hear what me. What a weird, it reminds, uh, Simpsons keeps coming up for some reason on this episode, but it reminds, there's a Simpsons joke where Lisa's practicing her saxophone and Homer's getting mad about it. And he comes upstairs and she's like, but dad, I have to practice. And he's like, I'll practice you. And he's like, is that a threat? <laughs> It's like his butt's gonna hear me. It's the same kind of thing. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna lean down and yeah, shout into his asshole? That's weird, Dad. Yeah, right. <laughs> As punishments go, I'd rather get grounded, thanks. Back at the police station, Clarence just fucking around causes like a telekinetic like earthquake or something. The whole office shakes and the water cooler's falling over and people are falling down. And no one seems Everyone's real laissez-faire about it. Like for a second, they're like, "Oh, what the hell's going on?" And then they all stand up and just go back to work. Like, no thanks. I'm see. I'm going home for the day. It's Christmas Eve, and we just had an earthquake for no right. fucking reason. See you tomorrow. <laughs> like, I'm out. <laughs> no one is remembering that it's Christmas Eve. Like, no one. There's not a Christmas tree in sight. No one's like the office is full of people. Let's keep that in mind. Go on. Continue. <laughs> yes. So maybe, I mean, our question of is this a Christmas movie or not, the movie seems to forget that it is except for the beginning and the end. But I don't know, for me it still is. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I just like, ugh. I mean, I understand that, you know, even if just watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that yes, there are police stations that are busy on Christmas Eve, and I do get that, but... Not in this rinky-dink little town. Like, but they have a parking garage and a 30-foot ladder. That's not rinky-dink. Yeah, but we have do. a cop who's got nothing better to do than hang Christmas lights. We got another cop who's got not, two cops who have nothing better to do than go miles down the road to the ghost town and roust homeless people. Like they're not that busy. <laughs> Send some of these people no. home. Your your payroll this month it's, is going to be insane. Because that's, oh, ho- yeah, no, that's holiday totally pay. Hours. Yeah, <laughs> and it's holiday pay. Ugh, wait until the captain hears about this. So, oh wait, he's too busy watching soap operas. Yeah. Back in Sutterville, the hunt is on for Billy, but it's a real... I feel like Kathy, for this entire movie, has a real lack of a sense of urgency. Like, both of your children are missing in this town. You are shouting for them. They are not answering you. Your husband's acting weird. And you're kind of just... I guess it'll take care of itself. (laughs) She really needs to be a little more proactive, I feel like. So the only thing, like, I've seen a ton of movies, right? I, the only thing that I can think of, despite the fact when she tried to get back her tape, 
when they were in Europe is Beverly D'Angelo in all of the vacation movies, right? right. Like, seriously, her character is exactly the same. Like, eh, whatever. Oh, Clark, it'll be fine. Like, it's totally fine. Like, she just puts up with it because she knows it's going to be okay. Like, everything will work out. It's totally okay. And that's literally, Kathy is a Griswold at this point. Like, I feel like that is a perfect descriptor for her. She is just living her life and it'll be fine. Yes, both her children are missing. Her husband's losing his mind, but she's going to try and get through it. That's fair. But she does have, there is a limit because at some point she becomes very proactive later on. <laughs> becomes, oh, and it's yes, pretty absolutely. awesome. And we'll get to that. But back at the yeah. police station, they're booking Clarence in or trying to, but his, they can't find his fingerprints anywhere. So they're calling around and the, what they come to find out is that this guy was, according to our records, this guy was born in 1925 and additionally died in 1948 he's looking pretty good and pretty young for a guy who's been dead for 40 years so you must be mistaken because that's not possible is this what he was trying to do with the zoolander looks <laughs> yeah a little bit he's just sitting there like all mean mugging like I, yes everyone sitting at uh, at home can definitely see me doing blue steel right now yes um she's doing visual but, uh, games in an audio he, medium great yes it's it's great it, it works really well for me um i have a face for radio it's it's great but it, it it really uh he definitely was doing a blue steel look and it was it was perfect for him i think clarence is is a wonderful wonderful model then i wrote girl but i don't know which girl i mean <laughs> it says girl said grandpa Aaron? girl said grandpa was to blame i don't know which girl I mean. But... Oh, Billy comes back, right? So Billy comes back. Well, Aaron finds a pentacle. Aaron finds a necklace with like a pentagram or a pentacle on it and shows it to Grandpa and he's like, give me that. And he's going to go bury it out in the desert. Yes. And there's a conversation between him and Tom because Henry's like, make sure you, you're wearing your cross, right? Make sure you wear your cross. And it, Tom's like, why do you, why do you care? We have other things going on. You Not gave this to me a long time we ago. We never went to church. Yeah. It's weird that you care this much about me wearing this necklace. And you have one too. And now you're going to go bury the opposite necklace out in the desert. But yeah, I said, right. girl said grandpa was to blame. So I'm guessing that's the, that's the creepy little girl says to either Billy or Aaron or someone. Yeah, Billy had come back from wherever his escapades yes, were with the child of the corn. And um, that she had given him the necklace. And then she said grandpa was to blame for everything that was happening in Sutterville, like why it was ghost town or whatever. And then that's when that, um, the exchange between Tom and Henry happened. And then Tom, I think, is that when Tom took off his cross? That could be Because he yeah. said, I don't want this anymore. Yeah. And then he took it off and he's like, I don't want it anymore. It doesn't protect me from anything. And then Henry went to go bury the, um, was it the pentagram out in the, in the desert? Yeah. Yeah, Billy comes back and they're like, hey man, where did you go? That's not cool. And he's like, oh, I met a little girl. And they're like, what little girl? This is an abandoned town. And he's like, I don't know. She just talked to me. It was all right. She took me to this weird church. And then they're like, well, what did she say? And he said, oh, he, she just said that this is all grandpa's fault. And she gave me this. And they're not. See, this is the point where maybe they haven't seen enough horror movies, but I have. That's the moment. I don't care if the car works or not. I'm leaving this fucking town if I have to walk. Yes. 
because that conversation, yep, I don't care for. <laughs> nope, time to no, go. Absolutely not. We, and it's still daylight enough, right? Like even if they were to leave, like it was still light enough that they could get good mileage behind them in the town, and it was a good spot where they could they could leave. They could probably pack up snacks because you know Kathy said they had snacks in the car. They were clearly packed for a road trip. So they had stuff to take with them. So they could quick pack their stuff in their backpack and leave. Because all of this, after Clarence made the car stop working, like the car stopped in Setterville and then like something happened with the battery. So like, that's the only reason they were still there after the cat meowing and all that stuff is because the car wasn't working anymore. So like they were trying to leave and then like rally everybody together and like Aaron went off this way and Billy went off that way and then we couldn't find Henry and like all of these things were happening right so like nothing was actually like coming together for a plan and then like you said hey let's fucking get out of here but nothing was happening so yeah he fixed whatever was going on underneath the car with the with the liquid that was leaking out presumably gas or oil or something and then he's like, okay, now we're good to go. And the car still won't start. And he goes to check. And the battery, someone has stolen the battery out of the car. The battery And taken it with them while no one was looking. So now they really can't go anywhere. I mean, I suppose walking I suppose walking in the desert is kind of a death sentence. Because that's <laughs> a long walk in the hot desert sun. But I don't know. It almost beats hey, staying in haunted town. They need it. Well, I also feel like it, it's incumbent upon Harry at this point in the proceedings to stop being so goddamn cryptic, stop disappearing for stretches of time doing God knows what, and tell his family what is going on. Like, don't write them a note at the end, which is what he does, but tell these people, like, no, we need to leave, this is why I've lied to you your whole life. <laughs> like, give these people a heads up for what they're in for and try to save them rather than being all mysterious and trying to keep it to yourself. Back at the jail cell that they have put Clarence in, we meet what is maybe the most laughably over-the-top cliche skinhead I've ever seen in a movie before. Like a punk. He's like he's like a skinhead punk. He's covered with tattoos. He talks like an absolute maniac. And he's like harassing Clarence for... Do you got any change? Do you got any drugs? <laughs> like, just give me something. And Clarence is his silent, mopey self. Do man? Yeah. It's... I think that was probably like, yeah, that was great. Um, Spike, as I call him, because um, I think there was a leftover bully from Power Rangers. I think Spike was one of the bad guys from the Power Rangers TV show. Um, he just was like fantastic and i know for a fact that when you are arrested like you know how much your bail should be like because you do get a hearing in front of the judge but like so he should have known how much his bail was and like he just i don't oh my gosh like this guy was like so over the top with his like it was so his skinheadness was like so much his fake tattoos and like his mouth and is accent like i feel like when he said got any dough man do you know who rat's ass is like do you give a rat's ass or whatever i think that band that he was talking about yeah like that was amazing and clarence was just sitting there like serving face right like giving his best zoolander looks it was pure cinema just pure cinema as far as the bail goes i mean i i learned a lot from watching the west wing one thing i definitely learned is that 
on a holiday, you have a hard time finding a judge. So it is Christmas Eve. They don't know it's Christmas. (laughs) That's true. They have forgotten. It could be July for all they know. It all looks the same in the desert. That's fair. But you're right. I forgot it was Christmas because they forgot it was Christmas. So I forgot it was Christmas. But then why did that Charlie's partner know that it was $250 for bail? I mean, I'm not saying there aren't questions. (laughs) But Clarence, Clarence eventually gets tired of listening to this punk in his face shouting about nonsense and kills him with telekinesis like pins him up against the wall and i guess crushes his heart or something because he's like clutching his chest and just keels is screaming and keels over and then he pulls a real ninja trick because the cops hear the screaming they come running in to see what's going on and they come in the room clarence is standing right there but he must have obfuscated himself again because he just slips right out behind them the open door they left open while they're dealing with the dead punk and off he goes it doesn't help that these are probably him in the keystone cop. In <laughs> yeah, he also closes Charlie's right. partner in the cell with, who just in the scene previous to that was, well, that's when he gets the call about Clarence's, when Clarence is born and when Clarence died. Before that, he's having a conversation with, apparently there's, because he's arrested a prostitute that's hanging out at his desk. So this town has that as well. Yeah. So this is a real bustling, there's a real yeah. community of criminals in this shitty little town. Yeah, oh yeah, they're they're jiving, man. She said that all you cops are funny as in hemorrhoids, which was great. Also, no sex workers would approach several Johns in 20 minutes, by the way. I feel like that is like an unattainable number. Like, she was trying to make Christmas, whatever, she was buying Christmas presents, remember, because it's Christmas Day, and she just got married. So how does this cop know so much about her life? Like, other than the fact, like, most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) I have a theory. I mean, yes. Like, yes. I, you know, I I can suspect what your theory is. I bet she's practically Um, on the payroll. Seriously? (laughs) Because, yeah, how are you going to, you just got arrested. And, yeah, he says something about, yeah, she approached seven johns in a minute or whatever like was she just in the police station as they brought her through like hey <laughs> want a date want a date want a date want a date as they went hey, down the hallway hey hey like that's literally like what she's being arrested for and i was like really <laughs> and her outfit was slamming i can't remember what it was but it looked like she was like an extra in a prince video like it was um like a dancer like a backup dancer in a prince video it was amazing yeah, it was pretty... Pr- a lot of the fashion and stuff in here... I know this came out in 1989, so it was probably filmed in 88. But a lot of this stuff... It looks like... This movie looks like 1984. Or f- 1983, even. Like, everything feels older than it should be for 1989. To me, anyway. Yeah, it definitely is, like... Like... Uh, I don't know. I always feel like when things happen... I want to... I know the movie was made in Nevada, right? Like, it's set in that era area but it feels like it's set on the midwest just like what's happening just because the fashion and that kind of thing like and it always happens like it always is later here you know i just i mean now clearly it's not as much but i just i don't know things always happen later in the midwest maybe things happen later in small budget movies too that could be well, with a, such a low budget, you probably had to go to the the discount costume bin. Like, well, this is a, a little out of season, but we'll have to use it because absolutely. Because even like his Aaron's wearing like 
just like the big old ponytail holder and like like did she have leg warmers on or am I making that up? No, she did not have leg warmers okay. on, but, but she, she does not look like a teenager from nineteen. On. She does not look like a teenager from nineteen eighty nine to me. <laughs> no, she does not. Or eighty eight. Nope, absolutely not. And she's um, big into four maybe. See, I'm wondering maybe it was written in eighty four because she's also she's like she's talking like like a virgin just came out and that's not nineteen eighty eight. I don't know when that came out, but it was earlier than no. that. So maybe yeah. it was written in eighty four, eighty five, and they just didn't bother to update the script or something. It doesn't explain the well, clothes though. I don't know. I don't know. I have questions. So <laughs> when Tom gets in the car to try to, I don't know. That's later. Tom has a gun, I guess, is, is the point I was going to make, which I don't know if the family knew about or not, but he reaches down in his, you know, in his boot or whatever, and he's got a pistol. Oh, that comes later. That comes later. Well, because it, it falls out of his through, pants later, but he pulls yeah. it out at one point and is like, I don't remember why, but he's being a real jerk to his family because they're like, God, can we get out of here or what? And he's like... No, we fucking can't. We have to go find the car battery now. And I have a gun and I'm going to go find our car battery. But he's a police officer. This is when we find out he's a police officer, right? Yeah, he either is or used to be. Right. I don't remember which. But either why way... would he have a snub nose 22? Like, it's a baby gun. Like, that is not a gun a police officer would be carrying. I don't know. I don't know where we were at for those gun laws in, in the mid-80s. Probably... I just, like, even, I'm probably like... Probably better than now, actually. Yeah. I mean, how... I think... I just... That's not a police officer gun. So... But before the... This is, like... Okay, so Aaron, I think, like, this is before the battery and stuff had gotten into... Because we still haven't... Yeah, we're kind of jumping around a little Aaron bit. At one point, Aaron gets back into the car. Yeah, Aaron Yeah, gets... at one point, Aaron gets back into the car. Yeah, because she's, like, ready right? to so go. Like, this is, like, hey, let's rally the police. Yeah, like, we're going to go. This is when they find out the car has been starting to use the battery and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So Aaron gets in the car, and somehow, miraculously, the car locked itself. And this is when the gun falls out and all of that stuff. But I, and then this is when the snake had turned real. Because remember, at the beginning of the movie, when Billy had played with the rubber snake and scared Grandpa with it? Grandpa, meanwhile, is, like, missing this entire time. He only shows up with the necklace, and then he's gone, right? Like, there's no other points with Grandpa. He's just, Henry's gone. <laughs> there's no, like, conversations with Henry. He's just, like, not there. But uh, Aaron, they're trying to, like, get in the car. But, like, Aaron had gotten to the back of the station wagon and with this rubber snake that had been thrown in the back seat that Henry had thrown it back there. And Clarence, after he had... I can't remember if it was after he killed Spike or before he killed Spike, the skinhead in the prison cell with him. But he somehow telekinetically turned the snake real or the town turned the snake real. So Aaron is just sitting there huddling, trying to get away from the snake. And then Tom reaches in and pulls the snake out. And it's the rubber snake again, right? So... Clarence is, I think, demonstrating his powers over the town or whatever. But seriously, my favorite part is that Aaron climbed into the back of that old school station wagon that everyone's parents used to have and locked herself in the trunk because he tries to, like, open up all the car doors and can't do it and has to, like, 
he goes in through the front, but I don't know how Aaron locked herself in the trunk of the car. So many questions. Well, that could be Clarence magic too. And I feel like I don't, I don't think that he turned the snake real. I think that he's causing them all to hallucinate that it's a real snake, ah, which again, okay. that's pretty powerful stuff from miles and miles away. That because sure. it's what I, I, what I feel would be a more elegant version of this scene. If I were writing it, my writer brain to me says it should only be Tom that sees it as a real snake because then it's Clarence can only like affect him. It's too powerful for Clarence to be able yep. to give everybody hallucinations. If it's just Tom whose head is inside for reasons we will learn, you know. So if Aaron was sitting in the back seat and Tom looks back there and sees a rattlesnake and starts freaking out and pulls his gun out, making like he's going to shoot it. But to everyone else, it looks like he's going to shoot Aaron. So everybody's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then he pulls out. It's just a fake snake. If that's to me is a more tense yep. scene, that's a cooler scene. And it puts the whole family on edge of like, I think maybe dad is losing it. We should separate ourselves from him. That, to me, is a better Absolutely. version of that. Yeah, but, and I feel like that makes more sense, even from like a perspective, like from the viewer's perspective, because then it's like, because at this point, I mean, like forty, I'm mean, we're still forty minutes in, right? And I'm still like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on in this movie. Right. Like, there's still like, there's no plot. Like, I don't know what's going on. I mean, we still haven't even talked about like, I literally like these are my questions, right? Like is what's going on with tom is he a for is like henry a former cult member why does tom have a snub nose 22 why did Tar oh that doesn't happen yet what is happening like is it a satanic <laughs> Osiris in general cult? what is, is Osiris sign in there yeah like what is happening like i literally don't understand what is going on but before all of this stuff happens like we really need to do talk about like the parking garage scene and like what happens down there because that is like immediately what follows what happened like with Aaron and the scene and the gun falling out and all that stuff oh yeah we'll, we'll, we'll go through it but I feel like the fact that we both kind of had different interpretations of the snake scene like you thought he turned the snake real I thought he made it right is that tells me that you have not done a good enough job as a movie relating Clarence's powers are so amorphous and so unexplained that it could be either one. And that's not yeah, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> you could be right. I could be right. Who knows? No, absolutely. No, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Like, I just feel like, I mean, he's just like this enigma of a character, right? Like, is he, who is he? Like, who is he? Who is this Clarence person? Like, why? First of all, Clarence is a horrible name. Can I just put that out there? All I can think sure. about is that stupid show on about Clarence the kid that's all of his, like with his friends and whatever. I don't know if you, have you seen that show? Do you know what? You, I know of probably the not. show of which you speak, yes. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so that's all I can think about because my nine-year-old son is obsessed with that show and that's all I can think about. So that is just a bad start for me to begin with. So I just see that kid when I think of the name Clarence. And then for him to not have any speaking lines 40 minutes into the film, really throws me off and he's supposed to be this all-powerful character that has this you know abilities to give people headaches or move cars into ladders or turn rattlesnakes into real or maybe have people hallucinate from miles away or whatnot like there's and then like murder people like who who is this clarence guy <laughs> And there's no backstory on him. I mean, I know more about 
Charlie, the police officer, and the police captain who loves daytime television soap operas than I do anybody else in the family, right? Or Henry, uh, the uh, chain-smoking dad. I just, it's a very, like, this Clarence guy just is very confusing, other than the fact that he likes to wear white button-up shirts that are, like, halfway buttoned up and suspenders and has really bad dye job, a bad dye job. That's it. And he's got real, he's got real hollow eyes, real sunken, like, black circles under his eyes. He looks half dead already. Like Billy Armstrong, 1991. <laughs> a little bit. So, Tom, yeah, after the snake thing, Kathy's like, okay, can we go home? Reasonable question. And Tom says, we are home. Yes. And she's like, what? And then has no follow-up questions. I would have follow-up questions to him saying, we are home to no one but himself. Right. But then he says, and I'll think he just said something. I think he said something about like bringing the luggage inside or like, I already brought the luggage into the hotel and all of that stuff. Well, cause here's where he says, get in, I'll drive. And she's like, no, you have a headache or whatever. And you're clearly stressed out. Something's going on with you. I can drive. And he's like, no, I got it. I'm fine. I'll drive. That's when he goes to start the car. The gun falls out of his thing and then the car won't start. So he goes to check and the battery's missing. It's that moment there. You're right, we don't know much about Clarence, but what I do know about Clarence is that he is a clown and a doofus, as he will be called by this cop numerous times. It's his favorite word. He calls this yeah. guy clown. Shut up over there, clown. I got my eye on you, clown. Like, real, this is a real yep. tough guy cop. This isn't, like, that's not Dirty Harry. Like, he's not, he should be no. swearing at him or something, but he's like, you doofus. Get on the get down on the ground, doofus. Like, what are you, a kindergarten teacher? Move one inch, clown, and I'll feed your liver to my cat. Now put your hands behind your head. Do it! Now lay down. Do it, clown! Get that concrete, doofus. But yeah, so Clarence escapes and just he's nonchalantly walking through this parking garage where Charlie happens to be loading or unloading guns from a trunk, a police car trunk, and turns around and sees Clarence. He's like, hey, where do you think you're going? And Clarence oh. just ignores him and keeps walking. It's not a police car trunk. It is a brown car that has cherries on it. It's not even unmarked. It's just a car for prop sake. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. It's not even like an old police car. It is just a brown, I think like a Buick Century or something that has police lights on the top of it. Well, but this, town, this town can't afford police cars. So they're like, here's what we'll do. Everybody bring your own car and we will buy everyone oh. some lights to put on top. <laughs> but you bring your it's own car for too much money on this like big home building. Got it. Well, 30-foot ladders and Christmas lights aren't cheap. That was... A good chunk of cash too oh. so yeah here we get his tough guy talk where he's yeah stop moving or he pulls out his billy club and he's like i don't remember exactly what he says but it's something real something you don't want to hear a cop holding a stick say to you like something like it's go time or like no thank you he said get to the concrete doofus and then he he's back with his steam attack powers because steam from from nothing from a pillar from a stone pillar shoots out and hits Charlie and like distracts him like he's not standing next to a steam pipe or something it's a stone pillar but steam shoots out of it so he can just create what are his powers I don't understand 
but he goes and hides. He's really playing hide and seek. He's like ducking behind pillars and doing some real borderline Charlie Chaplin shit. And then goes and hides in a phone booth, which Charlie saw him go into. And he's like, well, I don't know how you think you're getting out of there, Houdini. And he opens it. And of course, Charlie's gone. He stupidly right. goes, goes yeah. into the phone booth, which you can see is empty. There's no reason for you to go into the phone booth. And of course, Charlie shuts the door behind him, is like holding it shut with telekinesis and forces Charlie with his mind to shoot himself in the head with his own gun. Goodbye, Charlie. Right. And that's... Goodbye, Charlie. My favorite character of the movie. Yeah, exit stage left, Charlie. And that's kind of... Then Clarence steals a cop's motorcycle and moseys on out of the parking garage and we don't see... That's the end of the cops in this movie. There's a one little shot at the end when they're talking about the weather's bad or something. We see a cop car like driving on the road. But the cops who were such an integral taking up screen time portion of this film so far are never seen again. <laughs> so I guess they served their purpose, no. but it feels like kind of a waste of time. Yes. So and 40 minutes of exposition with the police and there's nothing answered. Although I will say Charlie had the gun in his right hand and he kept holding it with his right hand and the bullet was on the, his gunshot wound was on the left side of Temple, by the way. That just was a little like... Oh, see, that's not going to hold up when the CSI team shows up. No, absolutely not. He's not... Clarence is totally getting arrested. That is not suicide. I'm sorry. That is not a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Good point. Well, they got to catch him first. And I think Nevada has the death, death penalty. So... Well, we'll never, we'll never see off. them chase him down yeah. for the murder of a police officer, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, They're all dead. Back in old Sutterville, Tom has now abandoned his family completely, wandered down the street to this church with an onk on the door, and goes in and is captured by cultists. A bunch of people with robes, like from the beginning, come out and grab a hold of him, haul him off, and um, they're calling him Matthew. Then this is sort of our first, which he doesn't understand, but as intelligent people who watched this movie from the beginning, we're like, oh, okay, now I understand what's going on. Tom is, we will learn, the grown-up toddler from the beginning, which I guess age-wise works if he was a toddler in 1940, what, eight or whatever, and now it's 19. So he'd be, yeah, he's like 42 or 43, so that, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And he has been, yeah, sort of summoned here to, I mean, it's why the movie's called Family Reunion. They tricked us thinking it was about Silver Springs, but no, no, no. It's about the Sutterville cult. He's part of the family. He right. is, in fact, Clarence's son. And Clarence has not aged, as we know, in the last 40 years because of his satanic gifts. But he's, yeah, Tom is Matthew, which means that Clarence was going to sacrifice his own child back then. I feel like to complete the ritual, you still have to right. sacrifice Tom. Because that was the kid you were going to sacrifice initially, who's part of your bloodline. Now, the idea is we have to sacrifice Billy. Oh, I think Billy. Like you, need a, you need a child for sacrifice. You totally need a child for sacrifice. Right, but there's a world of difference between Billy, who's probably 11, and a toddler. Like, a toddler is innocent. Billy's a little jerk. <laughs> this kid ain't innocent. He's throwing water balloons at old men and trying to give them heart attacks. I'm sure Billy is like 14. Come on now. And then Kathy, looking for Tom, meets apparently Tom's mom. Oh, but before that, Aaron asks a real question that I have been wanting to ask this entire time. She asks Billy, but really I should be asking this of the writers. 
are you doing drugs? Because <laughs> I think they were having they were having a conversation about something. He might not have been, but somebody sure was when they wrote this script because it is bananas. And I, yeah, Erin, she's my girl. She asks the real questions. Um, but yes, let's get back to uh, Kathy and Ghost Mom. So continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's just, there's a woman in the shadows who like has a conversation. We, we don't get too much of a good look at her. She has a conversation with Kathy and intimates that she's Tom's mom. Tom has come back to us. You've got to let him go. Just like leave and you'll be fine. Like just leave Tom here and go. We're not even after you. You're fine. And she's like, no, thanks. I'm going to get my whole family and leave. <laughs> like, I don't know who you are, but I don't care. And she also finds a note from right. Henry. That who Henry has left a note for her because they just kind of they've decided to gather in sort of the lobby of the hotel or whatever this building is, and she finds a note from Henry that kind of explains the backstory of everything of you know or does it? I don't remember what the note says. <laughs> Clarence explains a lot no, of the no, backstory. No, no, no. That but... the note is oh my gosh, my handwriting is horrible. Um, I think that comes later because the next thing I feel like that's when Clarence. There's the next shot is like Clarence is on the bike, he's on the motorcycle, and it's dark outside, and he's riding on his motorcycle, and I think he's trying to get back to Sutterville, yes. and he's just laughing maniacally. Laughing hysterically. It's, I almost feel like Nicolas Cage stole this in that Ghost Rider movie where he's just laughing oh, yeah. and screaming like a crazy person as he turns into on a motorcycle. It's very similar. Was, and that's All I kept thinking was Eddie from Rocky Horror. So, like, that is a really, I feel like that's that better with Nick Cage. Yeah. So yeah, where are we at on this tape? Where are we at now? Well, she yeah, I, I was trying to remember what the note from Henry said, but I can't remember if they said something about like him coming back. But I thought the note came back later because that's when he went to go get snacks. He said something about like not being able to be there for them, and he left or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically that that he's like abandoned them now, <laughs> gone off for whatever, yeah, like for his own out, reasons. I'm done. But again. She needs to have a sense of urgency. She's just sitting around with the kids. Dark has fallen. You are in an abandoned town where there are apparently people because your child, your son talked to a girl. You just talked to someone claiming to be Tom's mom. Your husband has been missing for minimum 45 minutes and has a gun. And she's just right. sitting around with the kids like, well, when dad comes back, we'll go. Bullshit. Right. Bullshit. <laughs> your responsibility yeah, no. is to get these kids the fuck out of here. And... At first, I know Tom was looking for the battery, and then now he's looking for Billy's car. Like, there's no consistency, right? Like, Billy, like, they should just leave and, like, get out of there and, like, walk and go. Like, go. We have a scene. The next scene is Tom. We see Tom digging up the pentacle that Henry buried and putting on the robes that the cultists wear and then coming down the steps of the, the hotel lobby, pulling out his gun, and shooting his wife and children. And I thought to myself... If this is the end of the movie, that's kind of spectacular. Like, if that, just right then, just roll credits, no more explanation, no more nothing. He just guns down his family and we, that's the end of the movie. But no, it's just awesome. another nightmare he's having while he's passed out. But yeah, it got me for a second. I was like, that's bold. Yeah, that is know. a bold move. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, I kind of was shocked at that. I was like, what in the world? Oh, man. Could have been cool. I don't know. It would have been cool. And I'm also yeah. all for This is going to sound strange on the surface, so I will let me explain. But I'm always for kid death in a movie. 
which sounds terrible, but there's so many movies that like they'll walk up to that edge of like a child's in danger, child is in danger, but then they never actually have the guts or the balls to like kill a kid on screen. So anytime it does and, happen in the movie, I'm like, nice. I appreciate right. you because you've yeah. gone the extra mile and said like, no, right. you're not safe. You as an audience member are not safe in your expectations that we won't kill a child in front of you. Right. Nope. And that makes sense. Yep. I'm with you on that. Yep. I gotcha. Like the end of yep, The nope. Mist. People hate the end of that movie. I love the end of that movie because it's... Right. Right, because it's unexpected. The good guys don't win, and a kid gets killed by his own dad, right. like, a second before they're going to be rescued. Like, that's I, that's dark shit, and some people can't just can't handle it, I guess. No. But I look at I that, mean, and I know great. that's cool. Right, no, I mean, and that's the great thing, right? Like, it's unexpected, and you don't see that coming, and that's what makes a good film, is the unexpected. But that's not this movie, because he didn't really shoot his children. No, 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 he didn't shoot anyone, so. But here's where Clarence reveals... All the cultists are standing around with Tom, and Clarence is telling him, like, yeah, you're my son, Matthew. I'm your dad. Welcome back. And Tom's like, that can't be true. I know my dad. And they, Clarence points over to the other side of the room where Henry is knocked out. He's been captured by, or possibly dead? Maybe dead. I guess we don't know, because we never see him again other than this. But he's laying on the ground. The cultists have captured him, whether he's dead or unconscious. And he's like, that's not your dad, that's your uncle, that's my brother who, right. like, went and he turned against us, turned against the family and the cult, gathered up this posse and told them where we were and got us all killed. He's a betrayer and all this. So Tom is learning some heavy shit. <laughs> yes. And then he's kind of hypnotized by Clarence to go, he's like, we have to finish the ritual we started before so that I can get all my devil powers and we can open a portal and the beast can come through. And so we have to sacrifice Billy now. So you go get him. And Tom just goes to get him. Like, so I'm assuming he's been not turned to the dark side, but straight up hypnotized. Like he's doing some mumbo jumbo in, in his face. So on here, I've, I've complained about Kathy's sense of urgency. Here's where I come around on Kathy because <laughs> she has had enough of this bullshit. She gets Tom's gun, goes and finds Tom, because Tom, come and, com, Tom comes and takes Billy, and he's like, oh, I don't know, I'll bring him right back. And she's like, whoa, 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 hold on, what? And he's gone with the kid. She's like, nope, fuck that. Aaron, stay here. Takes Tom's gun. Yeah. Goes hunting through the hotel until she finds, and she gets attacked by cultists, and she just guns these men down. No oh, questions God. asked. I don't know who you are, but you're between me and my child. Yep. I'm popping caps in you. And she just... Boom, boom, she shoots, she kills two or yep. three of these guys. Done for. Catches up to the sort of the ritual room or wherever they are and has Tom at gunpoint because he's got Billy on the ground with a knife. He's getting ready to kill his own Sacrifice son. Sacrifice him. And she kind of snaps him out of it by pointing a gun at him, you know, but she's willing to <laughs> shoot Tom to save Billy and that's rad. Yep. That also would have been, yes. been a pretty good end of the movie too if she winds up having to kill Tom to save Billy and then they all escape. Yeah. Totally. I could have lived with that, too. But yep, could have ended right there. She shoots it. Well, it's cool because she points it at Clarence, and Clarence is like, no, 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 I'm wearing this, so I'm protected, which he then takes off. So, whatever. But he's like, I'm protected by Satan, and so are all my minions. She can't hurt you. Go get them. And they charge at her, and she shoots them dead. They are not protected whatsoever. No. Whether he is confused or just lying to them, I don't know. But Right. But then she shoots Clarence and nothing happens. So he is protected. Right. He is protected. Yep. 
Absolutely. Oh, doesn't she take the kids out? They try to like get out of the building. Yeah, she grabs Billy just as Tom is kind of snapping out of it and runs out of the room. Tom stays behind to like fight the cultists and keep them off her back. There's a, it's a pretty hilarious fist fight to start with. And then one cultist right. comes running in with like a flying spin kick. Like he trained at C- yeah. Cobra Kai. Ninja, what the hell was that? <laughs> like, that made me laugh so hard. Yes. Uh, that was, that was an epic, an epic battle to be sure. And then I know they were, Tom and Clarence were fighting and they, Tom ends up killing Clarence. Yeah, ironically. Yeah. Because they interrupted the ritual or whatever, Clarence has now lost his powers and he's he's bleeding from somewhere. So maybe he actually did get shot by her and he just didn't notice at first or something because yeah, yeah. he runs into Kathy on the stairs and is like, you ruined everything. I had this all planned and now my powers are gone and I'm not. you're not getting out of here alive. But then Tom jumps in to fight him again so Kathy and Billy can run up the stairs and get away. Clarence has Tom in kind of a headlock and they're tussling around. And he's trying to tell him, like, you're, you know, you're my son. Come back to us. We don't need to fight. Like, you're ruining everything. I planned this for so long. And I, he doesn't say I love you because, I mean, I did try to kill you 40 years ago. But Tom overpowers him and stabs him through the back with, like, a big wooden cross that was just laying around for some reason. Yeah, I don't, it looked like a beam or something. And it just happened to be shaped like a cross, right? And then it stabbed him in the back. And then he, like, pushed him further into another beam. Where they were, though, like, I don't know. Was it in the basement of the hotel? It must have been, because I think they were. it was, like, in the same building. I feel like all of the buildings were connected in Sutterville. Um, yeah, it had a real like subterranean tunnel vibe in addition to yeah. the basement vibe. So they probably, yeah, they might have yeah. tunnels running all over. Right. And then I know he hung the cross that he had worn on the crucifix, right? Like, on a cross, like... The one that he wore as a necklace, he hung on the one that he killed Clarence with as like a big fuck you. Like, ah, you're dead. He hung it up on there. Or even he's smart enough to be like, well, okay, now this can contain the evil. (laughs) So no, you can't come back. For sure. And Clarence has a real actor's moment. He gets to really chew the scenery with his death and enjoy himself. And I appreciate him for that. Yes, absolutely. It was very, it was a good death scene. I think it was better than the police officers and better than the Charlie's, oh, poor Charlie, the skinhead's death. Yeah, Clarence definitely. I was saying, what are the cops even in this for? What a waste of time. But now now that I think about it, it's probably all that cop stuff is just so that we could have a death toll in this movie. Because if you take the cops out, then he's just killing off family members and there's only four or five, you know. It's going to be, mm-hmm. so we get to have some cool deaths and stuff, or at least some deaths anyway, and some Clarence <laughs> mischief without putting the actual family in danger until family the end char- of the movie. Yeah. So yep. I guess it's there. It just feels yep. weird that there's so much time invested in the cops and then they just completely disappear from this movie and are never seen again. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it ended with, oh, wait, Clarence's death scene ended with the clock strike in Kung Fu, which was phenomenal. And his death scene was a classic. 9 out of 10. I did give it a 9 out of 10, by the way. The death scene was just like, ah, it's gorgeous. But then didn't they go, like, the next scene was the um, Christmas scene at the house. Yeah, we cut to the last scene of the movie. Is, I don't know if they have now gone to Silver Springs or if they're just like, fuck this, we're going back to our house. What? I'm not sure. Grandpa's not there, so I'm assuming Grandpa is just dead and they left his body there. Because it's the next day. Or was it like a year later? Oh, no, you're right. The it's the next Christmas. It's a year later. So they've had a the chance to sort through their trauma who knows what happened to grandpa 
Yeah, it would be weird if they were celebrating Christmas all dressed up nice the next day. I didn't think about that. <laughs> like, we're not even going to the police. We're just going to go home and have our Christmas, goddammit. <laughs> but yeah, it is a year later. They're all dressed, dressed up fancy. Tom and Kathy looking good. Kissing each other on the sofa. Everything looks nice. They've given Aaron some sort of cassette tape that they thought she would like. And she's like, well, thanks, but I'm not really into this <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Being a fickle teenager girl you know yep so they're like all right shrug i guess we tried and then billy has one more present they don't know who it's from it's not marked and this box has no top like it's wrapped in wrapping paper but he just pushes his fingers through the top of the wrapping paper like there's no top on the box which i found very strange and inside yes. is the rc truck which he left and lost back in sutterville so someone in sutterville yep. has mailed but this present just appeared under like it's not like it shows up at the door the doorbell rings and they go open it and there's a present on the step. Like it was Santa brought it. It was under their tree, like Santa brought it. So, yeah, the cultists have broken into their house. But at that point, you know, why not just Santa. kidnap them? Why are you playing these games right. of giving them his truck back? Like, you're right. real. Santa spelled as an anagram for Satan. Yes, that's true. Sorry, I had to. Sorry, <laughs> not sorry. Not Don't be. And then inside, like, a coffee cup full of, like, candy canes. Under the candy canes, there's a necklace for each, a pentacle necklace for each of them. So the cult is reaching out and saying, we forgive you. Welcome back to the club. Everybody put your necklaces on and come back to Sutter. Like, it's an invitation to come back to Sutterville. You know? And then the very last shot is Clarence coming back to life, covered in cobwebs. See, this was like a fusion, because in my dumb brain, I was still thinking, it's the next day. And so I'm like, where do you get all these cobwebs from? It's been one day, but of course it's been a year, so that's why he has the cobwebs. I'm dumb sometimes. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. Not bad. But he's alive. As far as forgotten... I still have so many questions. 80s... Yeah, I mean, the script needs some work, but it's one of those movies that I'm surprised I haven't heard of. That I'm surprised... I'm not surprised I haven't seen it, because there's a gajillion movies like this from the 80s, but the fact that I've never even heard of it before I got it randomly is a little yeah. surprising to me because i'm a horror guy so it's just right. one of those ones that's just falling through the cracks i guess yeah it was it was kind of a you know i like watching bad movies i mean this movie is great but uh it just was kind of a you know i would watch it again i recommended it to my brother it was good ish yeah i'd say definitely worth a watch. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's something that now that I've watched it twice. I don't know if it's something that I would necessarily watch again. But for anybody who hasn't seen it, check it out. It's not a bad way to spend ninety minutes. No, it's definitely not. I uh, had been reading reviews on the movie after I watched it because I, I usually will watch a movie and then I'll go to IMDb to see if there's like any like trivia or facts or anything about the movie that I missed or like anything along those lines. There was a review from the director. Gosh, and I wish I could find it now. I wish I would have screenshotted it. But he was like, this is the best movie because it was mine. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Like you really went on IMDb and reviewed your own movie. Like why Why would you do that? Like who does this? <laughs> Michael Haas does that. That's who directed this movie. Michael Haas. And he directed, he did it. It was, yep. Oh, the tagline for the film, by the way, is Satan has a special way of bringing people together. <laughs> it's pretty good. At least he <laughs> admits it. At least he admits in his review that, hey, I directed this movie and I think it's all right. Because there's a lot of 
movies I've gotten on this podcast that you go and look and there's like eight 10 star reviews and I'm like, oh, every one of those is the guy who made this movie. I promise you, no one gave this movie 10 stars that <laughs> didn't work on it. There's a lot, yeah. you'll find a lot of reviews of like, this was a great movie and this actor did great and the story was this. And I'm like, no human being is, this is their honest opinion. There's no, there's just no way. But at the same well, time, I, yeah, it was great. there's probably, every movie is someone's favorite movie. I believe True. that. That's possible. I wonder if there's a movie that literally no one likes. Hmm. I bet I'll find it. That will do it for Family Reunion. Final thoughts on it before we go? Um, I think it is a family feature film. <laughs> yes. Perfect to watch with grandma. <laughs> I mean, it's about fam- Put it thrown on at Christmas. You see, you watch A Christmas Story and It's a Wonderful Life every year. Aren't you tired of it yet? Next year, put on Family Reunion. Family Reunion. Christmas movie. Less swearing. We watched Die Hard at my house, so... There you go. Yeah. Definite Christmas Family reunion. Less of a body count. No swearing. That's true. Yeah, there wasn't really. Was this rated R? It would be weird if it was. No, I don't think so. Because it should be PG-13. Because the PG-13 existed in 1989. Not rated. I don't think it got a rating. It might have never even come out. Well, it might not have come out theatrically. If it went straight to video, it would have been unrated. So, hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I know that you are not on Twitter, but is there anywhere else social media wise that people could find you if you would like them to find you? Oh, yeah, I am on Twitter, actually. I just am not very active on there. So um, ah. everywhere on socials, I'm the Ginger's wife. Okay. The Ginger's wife. One long. One long thing. The Ginger's wife. That's me. Excellent. Everyone go check her out. She is fun. It is the time of the episode Thanks. where I press the magic button find out what next week's episode will be chosen completely at random from everything streaming pressing the button now next week's movie is marshall's miracle from 2015 it is on prime and tubi it's a dog movie possibly a christian movie possibly a christian dog movie starring shannon elizabeth interesting well i can't imagine that's good (laughs) but we'll find out Marshall's Miracle from 2015 on Prime and Tubi. That is everyone's homework should you choose to accept it. I am at HeathLambert78 on Twitter. The show is That's So Random P2. The show has an email address, That's So Random Pod at gmail.com for all of your questions, complaints, concerns, things of that nature. Did you see the new art for the show? That's awesome piece of rad artwork it is by a gentleman named joe humphrey you should follow him on twitter as well at mr joe humphrey check out his stuff he not only did the new art for the show but i also bought some prints from him that i love very much i bought a crow one because it's my favorite movie and i bought one of dr steve brule which makes me laugh every time i see it he's a great artist go check out his stuff and i think that will do it for me for this week for myself And for Lindsay, bye everybody.